Welcome back, everyone. Hello. I know it's good to have you back. It's kind good of to be back. Like almost, uh, almost ready. Almost ready. 100%. Almost. I'm still recovering, but definitely a lot better than I was earlier this week. Well, you're up and about, so that's good. Turned out it was strep the whole time. Wow. So went, started feeling sick on Monday and feeling like crap. And I thought, all right, if I don't feel good on Tuesday morning, I'll know it's not just like allergies. Woke up Tuesday morning, like feeling awful. Went straight to the doctor, said, test me for COVID, test me for strep and test me for the flu. All negative. (laughs) And they're like, I guess it's a virus. Rest up. Like, hopefully you feel better soon. If not, like come back. So I was in excruciating pain, like couldn't swallow. I had the chills. I didn't get a fever until the nighttime, um, but I was like achy. I was like, this is not a cold. This is definitely not a cold. So by Wednesday night when I was sleeping, I was like, every time I swallowed, I was like wincing in pain. I was like, I got to go back to the doctor. Like, do I wait until Friday? Do I not? I didn't go wait. Every They retested everything, still negative. And he was like, I think you're just getting false negatives. So we'll prescribe you antibiotics. And it sounds like it's strep. So with every dose of the antibiotic, I'm feeling a little bit better. Good. I was coughing like crazy last night, but I'm not coughing nearly as much today. So that's good. Like it's progress. Yeah. I think you were faking it. Yeah. This is me though. Totally faking it. What's up, Wolfie? Hey, Wolfie. Where's everybody at? Was everyone too good to be here? It is Saturday, right? Yeah. (laughs) Wolfie (laughs) said, well, girls have a lot of practice faking it. So you never know. (laughs) Yeah. And she said she couldn't swallow. Uh, Wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It was very painful. Hey, Joanne. Uh, hey, Wolfie. Nicole's back. So we're going to do an episode probably like Monday or Tuesday. So be sure to check that out. It's too bad you won't be here. It's the uh, it's the Great London Beer Flood. Oh. Yeah. That's a flood I wouldn't mind getting trapped in. Hey, Darren. <laughs> well, eight people died. So. <laughs> I mean, that's still, it's sad. What a way to go. <laughs> I really, still, yes. Yes. Uh, I, hey, Darren. Well, we have a couple of people to shout out this week, which is awesome. So I don't think that he's on here today yet, but shout out to Oscar. Hey, Oscar. AKA Oregonian thug. No, he's not a thug anymore. He changed it. 503. He is now Oregonian stand up citizen. (laughs) (laughs) And also to Lars, Guten Tag and Lars from Germany. So I'm loving the international tacos. Like vibes. Yeah. Yeah. We could soon, soon, you know what we should do? We should, well, we need to get all of our tacos from different countries together and post their favorite meal from their country. And we can have like a cultural fest. I have a crazy story. You guys are going to absolutely love this story. Wait, we're not done with the the welcome I know. I'm I'm just like getting people excited. Oh, okay. Okay, Mr. Hype Man. Oh, here you go. (laughs) Rainbow. (laughs) Taking, Taking three weeks off and now she's back controlling. Three weeks. I took five. Five days, four days off. And if you don't know, I do true crime headlines every day. So be sure to check me out. I've been solo lately. You've been doing a great job solo, though. Thank you. Um, our friend and supporter Delilah, Delilah said, yeah, she said that she was listening to um, the episode from Tuesday and she said that she was really proud of us that we didn't kill each other and that it was <laughs> that we did a good job. So um, anyway, Brandon. Oh, hey, Brandon. So who is our surprise shot for today? Our surprise shot. Well, I don't see any requests in there. And it's like the, the our newest Supremos, do they have time to request the surprise shot or no? So I don't want to want people to feel like I'm skipping them if you don't put a, a request in there. Well, I think you just have to, if they don't have a request, we got to pick for them. And then we can always go back. Yeah, we can go back. And double up. I just don't want people to think that I'm skipping them. You know what? I've I've heard lately that Jen may be skipping people. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, who do we, we did Joe, we did, we did, um, Juliet was for her passing yes, the bar last yes, week. We so next on my list is Mary Jo, but I feel like we did one for Mary Jo already. Better Here we safe go. Than sorry if it's so not it's been checked for, off the list. This it's is how Mary, you skip people right I here. I know, I know. So, <laughs> well, this is for Mary Jo officially. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Mary Jo. What's up, Brandon? I see you there. Thank you so much, Mary Jo. Cheers. 
Oh, tastes like cough syrup. That's oh, because that? it was. Was it? It was for Nicole. Are you serious? No. No. Oh. <laughs> it was um, Midori. Uh, that was just straight Midors? I knew that Nicole was sick and didn't want, like, I honestly, this is going to sound like you might want to come send a uh, a wellness check on me to make sure that I'm okay, but I really don't feel like drinking today. That's okay. I know it's okay, but it's not like me. All right. Tonight we're going to 2004. I got a great story tonight. I'm going to the Google Earth. This is in India. We are doing an India story today. Ooh. We're going to, to Kasturba Nagar. It's a little town. Now, this is the slums right here. You guys see. Hmm. Some dog millionaire. All right. So here's where we're going to tonight. This is the slums of India. One of the many slums. Today, we're talking about this woman right here. So I'm putting all these photos on the live stream. So be sure to look at them. You guys are going to love this story. Just stick with me. I know this is across the pond, but it's definitely a great story. And I'm just telling you, just stick with me. He just saw was Usha Narayan. She's 27 years old. She finished college, studied hotel management, working her way up as a full-time manager, mm-hmm. which which is a feat from where she lives. She lives in the neighborhood of Kasturba, Nagar, and quote, according to one author, ooze, sewage, stink, and hopelessness. Oof. Oh, that sounds like a terrible combination. This woman finishing college is an incredible feat. As you'll see, 90% or more of the people in this little village and this city in India are illiterate. And the last people that will get education is the females. She is known as a Dalit, D-A-L-I-T, or otherwise known as untouchables. Oh. So so the Indians use the caste system. And if you see here, this is uh, from The Guardian. This basically tells you what the caste system is. The Brahmins are at the very top. I can't pronounce these names. But at the very bottom, you see Dalits, which are the outcast street sweepers, latrine cleaners. They're the bottom of society. So it's kind of it's kind of like in America but not. But the only difference is... Do we? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm talking about like, all right, homeless people are at the bottom of this. It's just a social ladder. Right. However, they base their whole culture off of it. So if and you're... And it's not like you're... It's... um like it's kind of like this is the family that you are in and so this therefore this is your cast yeah there's no move there's no moving yeah yeah you can't move and you're labeled as that the whole time so we have it kind of the same it's not as bad but i mean the like the one percenters millionaires like they're at the topper are they're at a top level cast in in america no I think it's more of like a it's more social f- class but yeah. than a cat, cat, like formal caste system. But I get, I get what, you, what you're trying to say. So Usha Narayan, she is who we're talking about tonight, 27, finished college. She is a hero already to uh, the people in her village because she has finished college, which is a huge feat. But she still lives in a shack on dirty lanes that turn into stew of sewage after it rains. That's the streets of where she lives. And these people take menial, dirty jobs. Among children ages one to five, girls are 50% more likely to die than boys in this part of India. Her parents also live in squalor, but yet they still manage to send all five of their children through college, which is an unheard of achievement. The majority of people here are completely illiterate. The father and mother are also Dalits, but the father was a high school graduate, which is also very rare, even for a male to graduate high school. As a Dalit? Yeah, he's got a good job for a telephone company. His wife, Alka, also has a very high education compared to all the other women in the village. She finished ninth grade. Hmm. In the beginning of August 2004 is where we're going. Usha had just graduated college and she went to the big city to pursue a a job which she got in a fancy hotel. She's going to live her dream. She's moving out of the caste system and eventually she'll move her, her family up as well. That's her dream. So she's in the big city in August and she just accepted a hotel job outside of the city. She goes home, back home to celebrate with her parents. And this is in the beginning of August 2004. And before she arrived at her home in 
in this slum, a local slum lord had just finished raping a teenage girl in the adjacent home, in the neighbor's home. This girl was 13 years old. This man, his name is Akuyarov, and he was, quote, feeling cocky. Now, Usha hasn't been there yet. She is about to be home in the next 30 minutes. So this is all going on before she gets there. Okay. He rapes this 13-year-old girl and he was, quote, feeling cocky. He goes to the next door to Usha's family's home and he starts demanding money. He is a gangster and he extorts people for money. He goes to the next door, the Narayans, and he smashes the family's furniture and threatens to kill the entire family. The neighbor's daughter, keep in mind, had just been robbed of her virginity by this by this man at only 13 years old. And this is going to go on for a while. This isn't the first time he's done this. So Usha arrives to see her family completely terrified. The neighbor's daughter had just been robbed of her virginity. Their family is cowering in fear. Her family is terrified, trying to, you know, crying and consoling the neighbors. Usha Narayan gets home and sees all this terror. And the family says that Aku said, if they go to the police or tell anyone that this has happened, then he's going to come back with his gang members and kill all oh of them. Oh, my gosh. Kill and rape all of them. So as you'll get to see in a minute, as we get to learn more about Usha, because this is her story, she goes directly to the police despite of this threat. Her mother, Alka, says about her daughter, Usha, quote, she's fearless. She doesn't get frightened by anyone. Now, let's talk about Aku Yadav. This is the monster right here that we're going to talk about, a very evil man. This is him right here, Aku Yadav. He is of a higher caste in society. He is just the next rung up. But the lowest class, the Dalits, they don't get the same protection as the higher class. So they're like, I mean, a Dalit would be someone that lives in the, you know, in the hood section eight type of thing over here. If something happens, let's say someone gets raped or shot. I mean, the police aren't going to go all out to solve that as if they would, you know, someone of a higher class that has wealth, power and Mm -hmm. influence. Right. right? Right. That's just basically how this is right here. This man is a terrible, terrible guy. He has killed, raped and robbed in the community of Dalits since 1991. So this is 2004. His first gang rape with his goons was in 1991. Mm. So this man is the leader of a small gang. Okay. About 40 individuals of goons and they, for the last 15 years, have been completely terrifying the, not only the women, but families in this little community. And specifically like in the Dalit class. Only in the Dalit class because no one's going to care and... What I want you to think about with this story that's very important is, I know it's not going to sound like it's important now, but it is, is education. So so the lower caste system does not have education. They're illiterate. So they are less likely to file police reports, to go and complain. Because number one, they, have, they can't even write, barely speak, you know. They can't do that. And plus the, the authorities aren't going to really care about them. Right. So to pray on these people, you can get away with it for 15 years. You know what I'm saying? From the book Half the Sky, Turning Oppression into Opportunity for Women Worldwide, murder left inconvenient piles of bodies requiring bribes to keep the police at bay, while rape is so stigmatizing that the victims could usually be counted on to stay silent. Sexual humiliation was thus an effective and low-risk strategy to intimidate challengers and to control the community. So this man is using rape as his weapon. He knows that if he murders, he'll have bodies and then he's more likely to go to prison. Although he's murdered before, this man rather just get away with rape. And that's how he controls the victims too. This guy is a horrible man. Some of the things he's done in the past few years, he once burned a man with cigarettes and made him dance in front of his teenage daughter, dance naked in front of his teenage daughter. He chopped a woman into pieces 
pieces in front of her daughter. One woman named Kalma set herself on fire after being gang, gang raped by him and his goons. And that was 10 days after she gave birth to her beautiful baby. She set herself on fire because of the rape she went through. One seven-month pregnant woman was stripped naked and raped in the streets of Kasturba Nagar in broad daylight. Oh, oh my God. So this is this is a terrible guy. He on more than one occasion raped a woman on her wedding day before she could consummate the marriage. Oh my Jesus. And he would go and rape up all the teenage girls so they would be un- impure so it'd be less likely they can get married type of oh thing cuz God, this guy is a monster. Legit. He took one woman Asho Bagat, tortured her in front of her daughters, cutting off her breast. <sighs> Quote, then he sliced her to pieces on the street. What? How is he getting away with all of because this? Because they don't care about the lesser people. I told you. I know, but even still, it's like very public. He's doing this in broad daylight. He's doing yeah. this in public to, to as a show of force to be like everyone keep in line. This guy makes his money off extorting the public, the locals, and they don't have money. Like these guys, most of them don't even have jobs. And if they do, they're cleaning toilets and sweeping the you know sidewalks. So they don't make any money. And the money they make, he is extorting them for it. Jesus. I know it sounds fucked up, but these are like the bottom barrel people. They're not bad people. They're just at the social hierarchy. They're the very bottom. And he is preying on them because the police won't do anything about it. They don't care. Even the police, the police aren't in that caste system. India is different. I'm telling you, they base their whole society off this caste system. Even though, like, isn't it technically banished or obsolete, but like, like people still practice it and follow it. Everyone practices it and follows it. Yeah. Hey, Oscar. What's up, man? What's up? He took one woman, Ashu Bhagat, tortured her in front of her daughters, cutting off her breast. Then he sliced her to pieces on the street. Quote, he slit her throat, cut off her ears, her breast, and stole her jewelry. And he didn't stop there. A few weeks later, he returned with his gang and plundered everything in the house and turned it into their gang hangout. One family member witnessed this. His name was Avanash Taiwari, and he wanted to go to the police, but before he could, he was butchered. Can you read from The Guardian? This is, they're like pirates. Yeah. Violent pirates. Yeah, they're like Somali pirates. Yeah. yeah. From The Guardian, residents say he murdered at least three neighbors and dumped their bodies on railway tracks. They had reported his crimes to police dozens of times. Each time he was arrested, he was granted bail. But it was rape that Yadav used to break and humiliate the community. A rape victim lives in every other house in the slum, says the residents of Katsubar Nagar. Hold on one second. Let me just repeat that. A rape victim lives in every other house in the slum. Every other house has a rape victim. At least one, if not the whole the whole slew of daughters. He violated women to control men, ordering his henchmen to drag even girls as young as 12 to a nearby derelict building to be gained. Oh, no. Uh Uh-uh. A rape victim lives in every other house in the slum. A gang of him and 15 goons would knock on doors at midnight, assault men, molest and rape their women, kidnap their children for extortion money, money they barely had to live on. If they complained to the police, the gang would come and terrorize them and kill them, rape them, and even worse. One woman had watched her sister get raped and murdered. She went to the police and then... The police, as you'll see, are corrupt. So they tell Aku that, oh, this woman came in to complain about you. Aku then went to her house and raped her as well. This man deserves to have his dick cut off. Agreed. And shoved up his ass. People like it. People in this community are living in fear. Women had to walk longer distances to another village market just to avoid their own because his goons would be stalking it. Can you read from Outlook India? Yeah. From Outlook India, the last six months saw 20 odd families lock up their homes and relocate to another part of Nagpur only to escape Yadav's terror. I have three young daughters and he came by so many times at night threatening us, even picking up my youngest once. I have to protect myself and my daughters. So we moved, says Pramila Shinde, Ranjana Inkmar, 
too, persuaded her husband to leave the Basti and rent out a smaller house in another area. Now, this story is about Usha, so stay with me. I know this is terrible. It's terrible, but stay with me. Usha gets home, and she sees that her neighbor, the 13-year-old daughter, was just raped. And the terror that the families are going through and she she goes to the police, even though that is a terrible move, because just like the Tarari, the one who was going to go to the police, he ends up getting killed and brutalized and murdered in the streets in front of all of the neighbors as a show of force saying, hey, you don't tattle. She was warned not to go to the police, but she did anyway. She goes to the police. The police were very class conscious, Usha noted. So if you were lighter skinned, then they thought you were higher class and they might help. But they would swoop down on anyone darker skinned or unshaven. Often, people went to the police to complain and then the police arrested them, Usha said. One woman went to the police to report that she had been gang raped by Aku Yadav and his thugs. The police responded by gang raping her themselves. The fuck? <laughs> Damn. This <laughs> I'm telling you, man. All right. What? America ain't that bad. America ain't that bad. <laughs> fuck. From Vice.com, quote, we lived in fear every waking moment. Children stopped going to school. Like many women, I too stopped going out of the house altogether. No marriage proposals for women from Katsturba Nagar because they're getting raped at 13. They're not going to get married because they're impure. Right. You know, can you imagine if that was a thing over here? Like if I didn't want to, if, if a guy wouldn't marry a girl because she's already had sex. I mean, yeah. some people do have that, like, you know, belief. That's the only case where where I would be able to get married. Or you could be like T.I. and check check your daughter's. Uh, oh, no, I don't know. I don't like that. To see if she's been having sex. No. <laughs> Remember, you got in trouble. Yes, for we remember. No marriage proposals for women from Kat Sturba Nagar ever got accepted. There were no relatives coming from or going to anyone's house or any celebrations taking place, all because of Aku. He would beat the living daylights out of people just because he could. He raped three girls and even their mother. No one could stop him. Another victim, 22 years old, reported being violently raped by Aku. The police accused her of having an affair with him and sent her away. Several women were told by the police, quote, you're a loose woman. That's why he raped you. Terrible. Now, there's a difference. So, Aku preys on the lower caste system because they're uneducated. All right. This is, I know I keep saying that, but it will make sense. It will make sense. So let's take Usha and her family. They are the only ones in this neighborhood with an education. Usha just got out of college. Right. If they're uneducated, then it's probably they think that's how things are supposed to be, maybe. Exactly. Or it's a lot harder for them to raise a complaint and get help. Yeah. Exactly. But they accept it, which sounds bad bad. It sounds victim blaming, but it's not. That's just kind of how it is. So in most cases, Aku and his gang members would stay away from Usha's family. However, on this occasion, you know, he was feeling cocky that he just raped this 13 year old girl and took her virginity. So now he goes over to the Narayan Yan family, Ushu's parents, and starts demanding money. So she was, in one article I saw, quote, exempt almost from the torture because of her education, because they didn't, it was they more were like afraid of her, not afraid of her. It was more, it was, there was more <laughs> of a chance of them getting repercussions for it. It just made the gang nervous. Okay. It just, it didn't make the family special. It just made them nervous, right? Because they control people that can't stick up for themselves. Mm -hmm. All right. The police pick up Aku Yadav and take him in just like always. He'll be there only a few hours then and then let off. Here's how it goes. He doesn't really answer any questions. He just provides the cops with liquor and money. Pretty much all the cops in this precinct here in this village are corrupt. They let the this guy do whatever he wants in exchange for liquor and money. All right. In fact, he has been arrested nearly 300 times, brought in on accusations and of murder and, and rape, witnesses and everything, and he's been released. He will bribe his way out and they'll let him go. That makes me sick. The police aren't doing anything. They're, in fact, laughing with him and he's done this 300 times. 300? Yeah, 300 times. But, 20, but 15 years, yeah. Between 1991 and 2004. Wow. 
Aku Yadav returns to Usha's home because the police said, oh, Usha came down here and said that you raped her neighbor and her daughter and, and you were threatening them and all this stuff. So Aku immediately goes to her home with 40 goons and a bottle of acid and he's banging on the door of their simple home. They they live in the slum, so it's uh, like a studio apartment, but it's derelict. He is banging on the door demanding to get inside. Usha at this point moves over a piece of furniture and barricades the door. This is about to get really crazy really quick. She barricades the door to protect her family. Most people being oppressed like this would allow him in, take the beating, beg for mercy, and maybe they'll get out alive with just, you know, a rape or whatever. However, Usha is very, she's she's very proud and she is, she's sick of it. She is sick of this dude, completely sick of this dude. Like, who is this guy? Mm. So she immediately barricades the door and she at this point is yelling at him to get away. She calls the police, which obviously never come. The police don't even come. So she knows that she's going to have to protect her family from 40 goons. So so her and her immediate family in this little apartment barricade on the door and there's 40 goons outside threatening to rape her and kill her. Can you imagine? No. It's like a mob. Yeah. From author Nicholas Kristoff, Usha barricaded the door and shouted back that she would never give in. Then she frantically telephoned the police. They said that they would come, but they never did. Meanwhile, Aku Yadav was pounding on the door. I'll throw acid on your face and you won't be in a position to file any more complaints, he roared. If we ever meet you, you don't know what we'll do to you. Gang rape is nothing. You can't imagine what we'll do to you. Aku then started shouting, quote, vivid descriptions of how he was going to rape her, burn her with acid, and then slaughter her in the streets. The goons at this point are getting agitated and violently turned on because they know there's about to be a mass rape and they start beating on the door hard. They got to get that barricade down and it's blocking the door like a dresser. The only way in. So they're punching through the wall because it's just a simple wooden shanty. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's quite easy to get that door down. They're yelling at this point. They're yelling vivid descriptions of how they're about to rape her and burn her and slaughter her. The goons started coming through the barricade. The first one in the front man, he's pushed his hand through, through the door, and he's reaching for the lock and eventually they got to push the barricade out the way. They're going to kill the entire family. He gets his arm through the door and he starts pushing the barricade. And this was it. These wild animals outside, these men were going to come for her and they were going to rape and kill her. And it's completely over. She has nowhere to go, but she still did not back down, yelling at them to get out, get out, get out. Finally, the front goon unlocks the door with his hand through an opening, and then a group of them push the door open, moving... What? Nothing! <laughs> is, this, is this stressful? This is intense. Yes. Yeah, it is. A group of goons push the door open. They uh, finally get the barricade, move back a little bit. There's a small crack in the door where they can squeeze in and begin their horrible ritual here. The door swings open finally. Aku is in front, grinning, picturing the rape and mutilation he was about to cause Usha and her entire family, her little sisters, her brothers, and her mother and her father. He steps closer and closer, just grinning. Ah, you bitch. That's it, you bitch. He's got a bottle of acid in his hand and he's undoing the cap. It's like in a Coke bottle, undoing the cap of this acid. All of a sudden, thinking quickly, Usha, she has to make a decision. She is this is life or death. She has to do something. There's 40 goons outside and they're coming into the house. Usha reaches over and turns on the gas stove and grabs the matches on the table. Now she takes one of the matches out and she puts it right to the, you know, the thing where you strike the match on the back of the match, mm -hmm. uh, matchbook. Mm -hmm. And she turns the gas on. They have little propane takes. So yeah. she picks it up. Turns the gas on and you can hear it. You can hear it coming out. Now these goons are stepping in the door and she has this match right by this gas. And she's like, if you step one step closer, I will light this match and blow us all to hell. Good for her. I mean, Fuck I yeah. want it be good for her. Yeah. But like, way to like take everyone yeah. out, I guess. Yeah. She said, what a badass. Damn. She, 
She said, quote, back off or you'll get blown up. I'll light the match and blow us all up. This is a very tense situation at this point. Yeah. Because this house would go up with all this gas that has already filled the house. Oh, yeah. How many other units would it affect, do you think? I mean, I don't know, but it would kill quite a bit of them. And Aku being one of them. At this point, Aku has to make a decision. All right. And he's in charge of his goons. All right. Let's let's take a breather. Let's step back. Step back outside. Reassess the situation. And then... Maybe go in the back or something. I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. We're going to wait for her outside. So they step back out. Now, when they stepped outside, they noticed something going on, something that they've never seen before, especially in the 15 years of raping and terrorizing this village. Now, growing up in the slums, you have local heroes. Usha, a self-assured, intelligent college young woman, was not only admired, but she was closely loved by her neighbors. They all looked at her for inspiration because she had achieved the unachievable and she is so young to do it. Her neighbors weren't only thankful, but they were inspired. So at this point, Aku and his gang, they look around. Usually these neighbors would be watching in horror, cowering in their homes, but now they seem to be gathering. Oh, wow. Oh, this is intense, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The town turns. I like this. Wow. The sentiment was simple here, but frightening for the men. The neighbor said nothing. No one said anything. They only stared, but he could tell what they were shouting. Even though they were quiet, They were. it was like they were shouting, we've had enough. So Aku and his men retreat. They run away, but not to his home. They go to the police station because that's the only people that can protect him as they've done so many times before. Things are turning. This guy who has terrorized the neighborhood now fears the terror himself. He's starting to be concerned over his own life, but the police shelter him. From the book Half the Sky, people realize that if he could do this to Usha, there was just no hope, one neighbor explained. Stones began to fly toward Aku Yadav's men who saw the crowd's ugly mood and fled. The mood in the slum began became giddy. For the first time, the people had won a confrontation. The Dalits marched through the slum celebrating. Then they went down to the streets to Aku Yadav's house and burned it to the ground. This is the first time this has ever happened. There was a, a turning point. Now, Aku is at the police station. He's being protected. Aku was being protected by the police at the station. They were keeping him, quote, until the mood cooled and then they would let him go, end quote. So, but a hundred Dalits are pissed off. These are all the neighbors and they live right next to each other. Mm-hmm. One of them grabs a match. One of them grabs some gasoline. They go to his house and they burn it straight to the ground. All right. But this, this thing isn't over yet. Quote, everyone left their livelihood, stopped going to work, and contributed every penny they had saved for food. Everyone was determined to bring him down. Aku was being protected by the police at the station. They were going to let him go once the mood cools. A bell hearing was set. And now these bell hearings for the last 200 times are always the same. He bribes them, gives them money, gives them liquor, and then he's let go. Nothing comes of it. This was nothing different than the last 200 times. The bell hearing was ironically set for Friday the 13th, 2004. Another corrupt bargain and Aku will walk the streets again, continuing to rape, more confident now of his own immunity. Usha's family will no doubt, no doubt be the first ones he rages on, rapes and kills and gets away with it. He needed to make a strong example of that family because they were the ones that actually did something. Usha especially, he needed to make a strong example. Perhaps rape all three of the daughters in the streets in front of mom and dad, butcher Usha, and then make the locals clean her up since they loved her so much anyways. But this isn't how it happened. See, he underestimated the power of this community. The community, not just of the terrorized men and sons, but of the raped and violated women who were now starting to form together. He got away with a lot. Yeah. So I can understand, like, he probably thought he was pretty much invincible. These violated women, they finally had a revelation. They're all uneducated, right? And they've all been taking what they thought was their just daily life. Mm -hmm. But now they actually see one of their own, Usha, stand up and it completely changed everything. Now, listen to this next sentence that she's going to read carefully because it's not like victim blaming, but it's just 
just sharing the unfortunate truth. From the book Half the Sky, Turning Oppression into Opportunity for Women Worldwide, one of the reasons that so many women and girls are kidnapped, trafficked, raped, and otherwise abused is that they grin and bear it. Stoic docility in particular, acceptance of any decree by a man is drilled into girls in much of the world from the time they are babies. And so they often do as they are instructed, even when the instruction is to smile while being raped 20 times a day. That's pretty hard truth. Yeah. Yeah. But for this village, no more. Good. More than 200 women, 200 women in this village, every woman, I'm talking about from the ages of 10 to the ages of 70 plus. It doesn't matter age. If you look left, if you look right, either you or you're the person next to you have been has been terrorized and raped. They've lost family members to this man. They've been humiliated. The husbands have been humiliated, extorted. This is the first time in history this has ever happened. 200 Dalit women band together. Friday the 13th, 2004. The courthouse was in Nagpur, several miles from their village. Now, this made Aku feel safe because who would expect 200 women to walk several miles to get there? They don't have cars. They have to march, but they weren't going to miss it. The previous night, they gathered some stuff, some rocks, some stones, some knives, forks, pieces of broken glass, anything that they could, they grabbed. The men in the village at this point just watched, watched their women, watched their daughters silently because ultimately this was not their fight, but they admired their women. Girls as young as 10 and as old as 70 and 80 joined in this march. By morning time, they were marching through the streets. This was a Friday. Every other village that they marched through has no idea what's going on. So imagine being in the market, in the bazaar, selling your vegetables, and all of a sudden you see 200 women with, you know, they wear the robes and the yep. and everything. Determined women just walking through like nothing else matters. Just like in a daze, just straight to where they're going. It must have been a sight to see 200 women walking through the streets. The traffic that was there, every everything's just shut down, you know? And people were like, what's going on? What the fuck's going on? They walked several miles. And I want to say this, these women had been walking through life with their eyes down, bent over, taking what they thought they deserved the whole time. But now they're walking with their backs straight. Quote, we must straighten our backs and work for our freedom. A man can't ride you unless your back is bent. Mm. That's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Over 200 women met in the streets. Quote, hundreds of women marched from the slum to the courthouse, end quote. The grand courthouse, high ceiling, crystal white tiles, speckless. It mocks the poor majority in the village. It intimidates them to stay in line lest they be put in prison or raped or whatever. This was the grand court. The police saw these women marching and they did what they could to stop them from entering. But three police officers at the front door is no match for 200 women who are determined and raising knives and anything they had sharp above their head. They push right through these corrupt police. They pour into this courtroom and Aku Yadov sits there and he starts laughing. He recognizes one woman who he had recently raped. And he said, when I leave here today, I'm going to go and rape you again. Ugh. Now, this is in front of the judge, in front of the all, all the police and everything. And he was right. He would he would walk out of there just like always and go straight to her house. This lady, so incensed by that comment, takes off her slipper, runs over and starts hitting him in the head with the slipper. Good. One of the police grabs this woman by the arm. Another officer lifts up his baton because what? You got to make a public display. This woman is out of line. This woman has interrupted the court hearing. She's over here beating this guy with a slipper. We got to put her on the ground and make a, an example of her so all the other women can, can get in line. He lifts up his baton, but before he brings it down, 
something happened. A group of three or four of these women, teenage girls, grabs the arm of the police officer. This is unheard of. I mean, think about grabbing a police officer here. You get uh, all kinds of offenses. And then a bigger mob of girls descended on the two officers. Basically, this was a show of power. This lady wants to beat this man with her slipper, and you may as well just sit back and enjoy the show. They weren't going to let these police officers get involved. This woman wants to beat him with a slipper and fuck, that's what she's going to do. Damn. The officer's screaming now at this point, threatening for these women to let them go, thought about jumping in, but they decided not to when some of the women from the back of the mob came forward. They pulled something out of their purse that I haven't talked about yet. The night before, they gathered rocks and knives, yeah, but they also gathered something else. The Indian people love spicy food, and for that reason, chili chili powder is such a ready commodity in all households. Mm -hmm. The women had got together and mixed ingredients to make the hottest chili powder they possibly could. Now, they just have it in this Pepsi, old Pepsi plastic bottle. Three or four of them have it. It's very strong. This fine powder. Is it powder? Did they put like water in it to make it a liquid? Like a paste? Oh, I, I maybe. I don't know. These three or four women come forward with this powder in their hand and it goes straight into the eyes of these corrupt police officers. <laughs> I mean, these ladies have been done wrong. Yes. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear, see that they are taking justice into their own hands at this mm. point. <sighs> Damn. Oh God, can you imagine? The police officers who were trying to protect Aku, like they'd done for the past 15 years, are now nearly blinded with chili powder. They fall to the floor and start crawling every which way, trying to get out. That shows their loyalty right there. They leave Aku exposed right there on the witness stand, exposed to 200 angry women who he has terrorized for the last 15 years. He has taken things from them, raped them, extorted them, and now he's alone with them. And apparently ain't shit, ain't nobody going to save them. Good. Nobody should. This is pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And they're in the courtroom? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. In the and courtroom. where's the judge? And he like he's like uh, bye. he's like that Homer Simpson gift <laughs> where he just like goes back into yeah. the bushes. He also said goodbye. Yeah, he left. Yeah, this was gonna happen. All right, sounds like it should happen. The police are now crawling out of the courtroom, and then the women finally descended upon Aku. At this point, he's shouting, "Forgive me! Forgive oh, me! Forgive me! I won't do it again." Oh, uh, at that point, literally moments after saying that he was gonna go yeah, rape her again. Right. Yeah, no. At that point, he is screaming, "Forgive me!" He feels something sharp enter his stomach. The women had brought several knives and passed them around. They thought about this and they decided beforehand they would do it just like this. The women, quote, passed their knives around and kept stabbing him. Each woman agreed to stab him at least once. Damn. Like for the amount of times that he raped them. Now, hold on. They didn't get through all of them yet. Oh. Aku is screaming his apologies, gurgling on his own blood at this point. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) The thought of the rapes, the mutilations and terror, this man has put these women through was overwhelming. And at that moment, the pure bestial moment of the ultimate kill consumed these ladies. Collectively, they unbuckled this dying man's pants. No, no, what are you doing? Oh shit, baby Jen was right. (laughs) (laughs) Written two years later from the New York Times, as the police fled, scores of women pulled out women pulled out knives and apparently took turns stabbing Aku Yadav and cutting off his penis. Good. He ended up as mincemeat and the courtroom walls are still spattered (gasps) with blood. Two years later. Dang. They haven't cleaned the blood, right? All right. So there's a little video of just the blood from the aftermath. So here it is right here. This is for the aftermath of the court. You can see like all the blood. Oi. Look at all that blood. Jesus, look how thick and coagulated it is. That's, I think it's got his guts in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it does. Look, here's like the door that they beat down. The women oh, beat, wow. beat down the door. Jesus. 
Huh. Yeah, I'm sure there was. I'm surprised there was much of a body left for yeah. them to carry out. Crazy event. Wow. wow. This story is nuts. All right. Happy ending. Well, it's yeah. not over yet. What? Well, there's like 40 other thugs that are part of his gang. Yeah, Did but they I wonder if them? they were just doing it because they felt that he would... Protect Maybe them or yeah, protect them or pr- protect their families. Yeah. All right. At this point, the women leave the courtroom. As you saw in the video, they're not anywhere around because they went back to their streets at Kasturba Nagar and to quote tell their husbands and fathers that they had destroyed the monster. End quote. The men were overjoyed. Families put on music and danced in the streets. It's probably the first time they've been able to do that for a long time. Any money they could get from savings, they bought lamb and sweets. The celebration lasted through the next morning. Wow. However, the corrupt police in the courtroom had been made a laughing stock, humiliated by women. And now the killers of a man were partying in the streets. The police descend on this little neighborhood and start arresting. Mm. Usha and four others were arrested and and spent five days in jail, quote, strangely happy and breathing free for the first time in many years, end quote. Usha and another leader of the women, Baganbai Meshram, do not call it murder, though, Quote, it's justice. We secured justice for ourselves. We were pushed to the wall. Yeah. It's self-defense. Yeah. It's well, pro- proactively defending yourself. Not but. not in India if you're in a lower caste system killing a higher class, higher caste member. You understand? That's crazy. It's technically murder. And someone's got to answer for it. Uh-oh. Five women, including Usha, was arrested and charged with murder. Within the next few days, 130 lawyers pledged their their services to all the women for this. Oh, good. From Outlook India, the groundswell of support to the women was unparalleled. 130 lawyers in the city pledged their services to the cause. Support came in from women's organizations across the political spectrum. A retired high court judge spoke up and the National Commission for Women said that the Katsurba Nagara women had no choice because the police proved helpless in containing Yadav's reign of terror. From the Guardian, after Yadav's After Yadav's murder, powerful voices were raised supporting the women. Prominent lawyers issued a statement saying the women should not be treated as the accused, but as victims. One retired high court judge even congratulated the women. In In the circumstances they underwent, he says, they were left with no alternative but to finish Aku. The women repeatedly pleaded with the police for their security, but the police failed to protect them, said Justice Bao. Even though they had all the support, bail seemed not a possibility, and they were still on the rap for this murder. The hammer was coming down on them, even though the the support for them was building throughout the communities. I'm surprised that they would dig their heels in like that with that much outpouring from other communities and a higher judge like condemning them like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Like I, it's obvious corruption, you know? But it's a lower caste system, I'm telling you. Yeah, but they... Like, like that's that's something they probably don't want in the news. All the support, but the hammer was still coming down and these women had to answer for this murder. But then something else happened. From The Guardian, the 15th of September, 2005, arrest us all. Mm. Five were immediately arrested, then released following a demonstration across the city. Now every woman living in the slum has claimed responsibility for the murder. They are saying no one person can take the blame. They have told the police to arrest them all. Interesting. Way to stand together. Yeah. Usha and the four others that were were arrested were still in the courthouse jail system. So a couple of days later, 200 women get together. All those women get back together. And guess what? They march to the courthouse again. They march to the courthouse again. I love these women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a little picture, the actual them marching. Look how like, wow. look, you think these women are going to take shit? No. Look at look at the faces, man. They're they, angry. No shit. I would be angry too. And rightfully so. Absolutely. This is them marching to the courthouse. This isn't even the murder one because they didn't get a picture of that. But this is them marching again to the courthouse saying, why are these five women locked up? Yeah. So they marched all the way back to the courthouse and they say, 
say, you got to arrest every one of us because we all did it. He's dead. His dick is cut off and we all held the knife. Every one of them. You understand? Like they have never, this is not possible. Like this has never happened before. Not, it's very like counterculture, right? Mm. Yeah. We all take responsibility for what happened, said Regarshi Rengdale, a shy young mother. Gigamore, a prime housewife of 45, added, I'm proud of what we did. If anybody has to be punished, we'll all be punished. With considerable satisfaction, Giga asserted, we women have become fearless. I love that. We freed ourselves and our daughters that day. We also freed our men. This The judge was in the courthouse on this day, and it did not take him very long to unlock those cells. Good. So what do you guys think of that? I, wow. I am glad that they stood together and came together. It's kind of a murdered by town situation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. This, this is Usha right here. Oh, After this story, she dropped her dream of being a hotel manager and she picked up a another dream instead, which she's which she's currently doing right now. I hope it's a politician. Let me see. Or like some sort of change maker. She has swapped her career in hotel management for community service. She's founded and is director of the Kasturba Naga Community Project. Oh, okay. The program that teaches people of the community diverse skill sets like catering, cooking, IT, milk processing, and clothing design, among other things. She started this organization with the support of the M. Night Shyamalan Foundation. Oh, wow. Okay. They went down to Usha Kasturba Nagar, and they helped her set up her organization. We were so taken by Usha and her story that we flew to Nagpur and asked her how we could help. She said the biggest challenge holding her community back from development was was that the local women needed jobs. And and so in partnership with the Clinton Global Initiative and, and the National Institute for Women, Children, Youth, and Development, we designed a three-year skills training program specifically for USHA's community. That's cool. So that's she runs that now. And I mean, this is her, right? She's a, I mean, that's a, she's a badass, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I don't know. I know it was kind of a weird story. Did y'all no, like it? No, I loved it. Story. Yeah. yeah. That was a really awesome story. From the award-winning journalist, Nicholas Kristoff, I don't want to condone a lynching, but in a land where police are utterly corrupt and where so much misery arises from people passively accepting their lot, I'm proud to know Usha Narani. She is a reminder of the difference that education makes. And I hope that she is a vision of the new Indian woman. Mm -hmm. So I like that story a lot because it reminds me of the another story, Mala, Malala Yousaf, 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 Yousaf. She was also for education. So here's how here's how terrorist organizations work. Like I know from the Taliban firsthand, the first thing they bomb is not hospitals or our community centers. It's schools. They bomb schools because if they can keep the population uneducated, then they can be controlled. That's why education is so important. They shot Malala. These Taliban members walk onto a school bus in Pakistan and shoot a 13 year old girl, Malala in the face because she was refusing to not go to school when they demanded it. They went onto her bus and shot her in the face and she didn't die. And now she's a, an advocate and a, 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 powerful, powerful figure for education and women's change. It just goes to show you that they're they're trying to suppress the people with destroying their education, which is so important. That's why education is so important. The person who finally stood up in this story with 15 years of being tortured and terrorized was Usha, who was educated. She did that because she knew that other places in the world, it wasn't like that. And it doesn't have to be like that there. So I wanted to do that story because there's so much hate in the world. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Stram says, hell yeah. Wolfie says, amazing story. She's doing her thing with M. Night Shyamalan. That's the guy that does all the movies. Yeah, The Shining. Yeah, The Shining. So he is sponsoring her. And that's awesome. I was reading this one journalist who went to interview her and the taxi driver had so much trouble finding where Kasturba Nagar was, like her little hometown. And he would stop in different villages and, and ask, like, how do I get there? And everyone that he stopped and asked told him 
from different directions. They were purposely trying to make this guy. They were all prote- they're protecting Usha. She is back there in her hometown, not afraid of the goons and all this shit. They're protecting her. They're purposely giving people the wrong directions so they won't go. You know, that's crazy. The whole community is protecting her. I mean, it's been since 2004. Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. She hasn't been touched. Hasn't been touched by these guys. She still lives there. Imagine if they did something. They would be. They would be. Yeah. Flayed and they, slayed. Yeah, they would all lose their yeah. penises. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the the blood and the courthouse was still there two years after. They didn't even clean it up. That's nuts, that's, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Great story. So, mm. yeah. I don't know. Really Hope you guys liked it. All right. Well, that's all I got. We're going to record a new one or another story on like a Monday. Be a really short one. But other than that, that's all I got. And yeah. I think we're like maybe 15 away now from 500. Mm. Which I don't know what I want to do on that one. Thanks for being here, guys. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. I kind of run this shit.